Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, clinical professor of medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Welcome to Medicine for Good, a birthing doula, service to others. Oh my goodness, I love this topic. Service to others is what helps me achieve balance in my life. Contribution to life beyond oneself is so fulfilling. Services take many forms. It could be volunteering to a medical mission, packing meals for the homeless, serving food, packing medical supplies, reading to the elderly, cooking meals, writing a check to nonprofit organizations, mentoring students, helping people cross the street, helping the homeless, giving community lectures, or being with someone when they needed you the most. Service to others is a self-service act. It is not self-sacrifice. It is a higher fulfillment of one's needs. It is a path to happiness and a path to freedom. I feel so happy when in my own small ways, I could be a part of someone's life or be a part of something beautiful. It is what I consider as an element of self-compassion. The warmth that I feel in being able to make a difference in someone's life is so indescribable. I feel that I am giving myself a present when I help others. Giving or service to others is being able to connect with others in a much deeper level. When I was in training, I avoided social work. I felt too busy and too overwhelmed with my own training and my own life to help and to care or to give. Now, busy as ever, I am still able to do social work or public work. And how? Reconfiguring one's mind on what is important, on what is valuable, and what is meaningful. It is the social work that helps people experience life much easier. Today, we'll introduce another way of serving others by being a birth doula, a fabulous way and a fabulous service to expectant mothers and fathers. May I introduce our guest, Suzanne Ledbetter, who is a certified doula, a mother of three young adults, all boys. She will enlighten us on what a doula is, its benefits, and how to become an effective one. She has been a birth doula and a birth photographer in Seattle area, where she practices solo the last three years. She is passionate in helping families have the very best experience in welcoming their new addition. She attends both in the hospital and at home, and she's always there when the need arises. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Suzanne, was there any event in your life that moved you to become a doula? So I had my boys and had very high-risk pregnancies. No midwife would have touched me. There was no way I was going to birth outside of the hospital. 
after my second son was born, I thought about going into being a lactation consultant, but my younger two both ended up having complicated medical issues and autism that required me to stay home with them. As a doula, you have to be able to give yourself 24 seven, 365 days of the year or have somebody else who can cover you. It's not pick and choose. My kids couldn't allow that. Once they were old enough, I had somebody that I met who was a birth doula. I was doing birth photography at the time. I decided I wanted to get into birth photography. I went to a couple births and very quickly realized that I wanted to do more of the servicing and have the birth photography be in addition to that. And that week I signed up for training and started my career at 44 years old. So that was how I started. How exciting. So it's never too late to find a passion. So you were 44 years old and started being a birth doula. So tell us, what is a birth doula? And is that very different from midwives? So most people are familiar with midwifery. And is that very different? It is very different. So midwifery is medical. They're basically able to do most of the same things that an obstetrician gynecologist can do. In-hospital midwives are under OBs and at-home midwives are not. They tend to be trained in nursing and then get their master's. Doulas are certified. They don't have medical training. We don't do cervical checks. We don't do blood work. We're not in charge of life and death for your baby, other than referring you to medical when there's issues. We're there for the emotional support. We're there for the physical support. We're there to help you work through anxieties beforehand and to know what your options are. A lot of times medical professionals are so used to just going through their jargon really quick and not telling you what it means or what your options are, letting you know that you actually have options. So as doulas, that's where we come in is to let you know that it doesn't have to be one way. There are other options out there. Sometimes it does have to be. Sometimes medical plays in and then we're there to support you, hold your hand, let you know what's normal. We learn as we go. So we get better at knowing what's going on and being able to support through that in the hospital. What a phenomenal job to be able to be intimate with the expectant parents that you serve. When I looked up, what is a doula? Because I was so naive on this. I said, doula, what is a doula? And I, I looked it up and it's a Greek word that means to serve. And I said, and I love serving others. As soon as I was able to fulfill my own needs, I was able to branch out and be able to serve others. But could you take me through what you do as soon as you settle the agreement that you will be the birth doula for the expectant parents? Do you stop the contract with your expectant parents or take me through that experience? So every doula is different. And that's part of when you interview a doula is finding somebody who offers what you want. Some doulas only offer at birth and some doulas only offer after birth and some doulas stop supporting six weeks after birth. So that's important when you're interviewing doulas is to find out what we do each offer different things. I actually now work with a team because I wanted to be able to offer more than I could do solo. So there are four of us now. And so first we interview you, you know, it's intimate. It's a really intimate moment. It's one of the most intimate moments that you're ever going to experience. And so I wish there wasn't competition in the doula world because there's not a place for it. You have to feel comfortable with the person that's going to be there. You have to be able to share what's happening to your body. Or I, I like to tell my clients that you need to be able to tell me that that I need deodorant, you know, because I'm in your space. We're in those moments for a really long time. 
So you interview, then for me personally, you're able to contact me. We have a Facebook support group that's only for our clients because it's been 17 years since I had to get a nursing bra or a car seat. So that way you have other people who have been there and doing that right now. And through COVID, being able to connect with other parents that have been there. So we offer that support. And then you're able to contact us because I like to say we specialize in anxiety because our group personally, a lot of pregnancy is anxiety and the doctors just say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And that never solves it. So hearing this is normal or here's some things you can do, or here's what would happen if that were to happen oftentimes makes it easier to get through. So we believe in being there from the start and being able to be contacted. Some clients contact me daily. And others I don't hear from until we do a prenatal visit. We do one to two prenatal visits where we talk about your birth, talk about your birth plan, talk about how your birth plan probably goes out the window and that we're going to be there for you even when that happens. But there's a lot of preferences that you can have through labor, through delivery, after delivery. So we go through all that, find out what's important to you. In my opinion, a doula should be non-biased and be able to say, great, I'll support you in that circumcision, breastfeeding, at-home delivery or at the hospital delivery, using an epidural or no epidural. There are a lot of choices that everybody has and you have to make sure the doula you choose is on board with you. There's a doula for everybody. So being able to, to do that. So we're there through all of that. We come and join you when you go into labor. We join you at home. We help you work through contractions. If you're at the hospital, we go to the hospital with you. We're there all the way through labor, giving you support. I like to say that we're everything you want your partner to be, and we help them be that and be more. If you leave and you say, my doula was wonderful, that's not actually what we want to hear. We want to hear that your partner was wonderful, because that means we gave them the support to give you what you need. We're only allowed to stay with COVID for about two hours postpartum. So we help you start breastfeeding. If you choose to breastfeed, we help you get settled. And then we have to leave at that point. And there's a lot of questions after delivery. Breastfeeding is hard. It's hard work the first time. And if you don't have the support, it's over. You're not going to be able to do it. So it's really important to us that we help you, that we support you through that. Again, that's something specific to us. Not every doula is that way. And then we do a couple postpartum visits where we come and talk about your birth and make sure you're sleeping. Our group has done a postpartum depression workbook because it's rampant and there's a lot of different types of depression and you need for both partners, birthing parent and their partner. And it's important to get the help if you need it. And mm -hmm. then support through text and calls after that. So you have to be then trained to do this. So obviously you need to know what's normal and what's abnormal, right? So for example, they're contracting. Is that a meaningful contraction? Is the frequency of contraction means that you're ready to go? Do you have to study all of that then to be able to be of support to them? Doula means servant, right? You don't have to train to be a servant. So no, anybody can be a doula. Anybody, a mom, grandma is a fantastic doula. A sister is a fantastic doula. So do you need to be then trained to be a doula and what kind of training? Because obviously before you could say those contractions are now meaningful and you have to get ready to go to the hospital, you need to know the frequency and the duration of those contractions. So do you need to be trained then with those specific? Be trained. Doula is servant. That's what it means. And so a mom or a grandma can be a doula. A sister can be a doula. A best friend can be your doula. You don't have to be trained and certified. In fact, a lot of older doulas are not certified anymore because their business is doing well enough. Their word of mouth, they don't need to be certified. But does training help? 
absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things to learn. There's a lot of things that change. I believe in training as you do it and experience. I think that everybody has the ability right off the bat. If you're wanting to find out about being a doula, you're capable of being a doula. But then it's a matter of learning what's out there, learning the different options, knowing where you're comfortable and where you're not comfortable. That's really important. Not stepping in the way of medical staff and being there for your client. We do need to know what contractions look like and how those change. So there is a lot of information that personally I'm constantly updating myself on. There's a lot of different certifications that we can get with lactation and losses and the different types of interventions sleep. There's also a lot of different types of doulas because that's all of that, you know, there's a lot of information out there. So Mm -hmm. I personally choose to kind of focus in on birth doula and then postpartum support, a little bit of lactation. Some will focus on just being a lactation consultant has just as much more training than a nurse. A lactation consultant is worth their weight in gold and they are educated with degrees and certified. Whereas doulas, we're just constantly doing it at whatever our pace is. And that's where it's important to find out what your doula knows. Spinning Babies is a class that parents should take, doulas should take. It's something that teaches us how babies are in the womb, how we can help them come out, why are contraction patterns in certain ways? Why are we having contractions and not going into labor? So it's constant, a constant need for increasing your education with it. That is good to know. I would surmise, like you kept saying, that there are many different types of doulas and birth. Doulas are just one of them. What are the other doulas? So there is full spectrum doulas, which means that you're able to support through abortion. You're able to support through miscarriage and loss, even fertility. Postpartum doulas support after you've given birth. A lot of them will come in, help you with feeding the baby, help you with light housekeeping, help you with cooking. We used to have our village. We used to have a village that would come and support us. Some countries still do. In America, we don't. And so postpartum doulas can be that village for you and help you with getting sleep and help you learning all the things that you've never done and don't know. So postpartum, that's kind of the big three. Full spectrum kind of just does all of it. And I would consider myself a full spectrum doula. I just take more of one area. So you talked about a little bit of this training and whatever you, how does hiring a doula fit in our modern living now? And I know you also mentioned a little bit of the challenges during COVID. So how is that with the busy schedule of people, both husband and wife, or even same sex parents, they both work. How do you integrate your schedule with them? And what is the expectations? And then how COVID affected that now? COVID has made it awful. I'm going to start there. COVID's different everywhere. So in Seattle area, most of the hospitals will allow one partner or one support person and a doula. Some require that we be certified. Some just want to know that we've had training. Some want us vaccinated. So it's different at every hospital you have, and it's constantly changing. So we constantly have to be updated on what's changed today. Other areas only allow one partner. And so when they've hired a doula, now we're not allowed in. In fact, we have two hospitals here that are that way. And so you're switching to kind of virtual support and really preparing them beforehand. It's a lot of flexibility with COVID. As far as working parents, I mean, my schedule is after this, I'll be leaving and I won't be home till 8 p.m. because I'm meeting people when they get off of work or even later. 
weekends. It's a lot of babies choose when they come. You know, I tell clients like 90% of my calls come between midnight and 3 a.m. That's when your body goes into labor and they're almost always on the weekends. So we sign up knowing what we're doing. They come on Christmas. They come on your birthday. They come on your kid's birthday. They don't have a plan that fits you. So that's a big thing when you're choosing a doula. That's part of why I work as a team is because that way we can still have some stability in our life and maintain for years doing this business, but being able to say, I'm gone for a few days and you know your team and they're going to still be there to support you. So for some people, it's a great thing. They know every doula needs a backup, every single one, because illness happens, COVID happens, breaking your leg happens, like things happen and you need to know your clients have somebody. So when you're interviewing a doula, you need to ask them if they have a backup. And I personally have always allowed my clients to meet my backup so they have that stability. And that's part of our team is we personally jump on Zoom. We're doing Zoom a lot. I hate Zoom. I hate it. Doulas in person, touching, comforting, calming. And Zoom is about as far away from all that as you can get. But it's COVID. So we're trying to protect our clients and be able to protect their babies and do all that. So we're doing a lot of Zoom during that right now. But other than that, it's, yeah, I think answers all those. Yeah, yeah, I know. I come from a culture of touching and hugging. So it's so hard during COVID. I think during the last two years, we had evolved to actually prevent that from happening. But every time I see someone, I'm about to like (laughs) hug them, right? And it's so hard. And being a doula, I bet they wanted to be touched. They wanted to be hugged. I'm sure you have different clients with different needs, right? So I'm sure your flexibility is so phenomenal. I want to ask you, what is the evidence out there, the positive benefits of uh, doula? So there is a lot of evidence showing that having a doula reduces the length of active labor, having a doula reduces having a cesarean. I don't actually like those statistics because I feel like it sets people up to say, well, if I have a doula, I'm not going to be in a cesarean. We can't stop that. We can't stop your baby's story. But having a doula absolutely can change your story where you feel you made the choices and you felt that you were informed. We use evidence-based information. There's a group called Evidence-Based Birth who they do the research. They have the information. We give that to our clients a lot so that they can make their decision evidence-based and not just based on a doctor that wants to induce at 39 weeks because that's what they do. So there is a lot of statistical information out there that we are positive for your birth. And that's so true. But at the same time, the bigger picture is that you have the information to make the choices or you have the support. There was a study done where they brought in somebody into the room and they had them just sit behind a curtain, not talk, not do anything. And they just sat behind the curtain and just the birthing parent knowing they were there made a difference in their labor. So just having that extra support person, they don't even have to do anything makes a difference. Yeah, I remember during the time I delivered, my husband was there and the obstetrician, uh, I couldn't even recall a nurse there, but the obstetrician was there and my husband was there. And I was screaming bloody murder to my husband, how bad this is and stuff like that. And then when the baby was born, my husband was so nervous, could not hold the camera straight. So it was the obstetrician who took over and said, let me get that camera and you hold the baby right there as it's coming out. And he said, oh, 
<laughs> we yeah. could have hired a doula, but I don't know whether there were doulas in the eighties. But were there doulas in the eighties? Always been doulas. Again, village villages had doulas. They were women that were there supporting. Doulas have been around forever, but they weren't as well known. And then now that we have internet and we have websites that tell us that there's doulas in our area, but it's still not well known. And there are doctors. I have a doctor who I used to refer to who kept telling my clients that she didn't like doulas, and I went. Well, I'd like to, but I can't send anybody to you now. They've always been there, but people are becoming more aware that there's other options of having them. It would be so important, especially someone to support you. Your husband is not always there, or a lot of us won't have our parents to support us postpartum, right? You feel so alone. And I think part of postpartum depression is that you get so overwhelmed with this and all the hormonal changes. I'm not saying it's not just that lack of support, but all of the hormonal changes and you feel so bad because you don't know what you're doing, especially if this was your first time. I remembered it was like two o'clock and I haven't brushed my teeth and I couldn't get out. I'm just like helpless. So I could have gotten a doula had I known that. But how do you hire a doula? And is that part of the health coverage? Or like if you have a cafeteria plan or, you know, one of those health coverage, who pays for the doula? Is it self-pay? So overall, most of our clients are self-pay. FSA and HSA parts of insurance do tend to cover doula services. Never guaranteed it's always a conversation with them. So they reimburse. So you pay and they reimburse. Certain companies are starting to cover doula services. Microsoft just came out with a, they'll pay up to $1,000 for doulas. Again, they reimburse. Some hospitals are starting to have a doula plan where you hire them and the doulas contract with them. There are organizations for low income. In Seattle, there's one called Open Arms. It's for Black and Indigenous people of color in the Bay Area. I know there's a roots of something that same thing. Their goal is to help those even in prison, right? Because you're in prison, you still need it. So low income and people in prison to help with that. So every area tends to have, and then many of us serve to serve. So, you know, we still have to pay the bills. We have to have do that. So we take on a certain amount of people that are pro bono and that type of thing as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for all, it is self-pay. And then there's a range of how much we cost. Just like everything else, you know, when you're newer doula, you're charging. I didn't charge anything for my first six births. And a lot of new doulas do charge because they still have to pay the bills. But there's a very wide range. In Seattle, it's from $0 up to, I think the highest I've seen is $5,000. So average is around 30 1,500 to 2,000. And that's different in every state. Yeah. And that's a lot of time that you spend with the expectant mothers and for such a minimal amount that you charge. But it's good that you answered my next question. You know, how do you ensure equity, right? Equity in terms of provision of these resources to the people who can't afford much. And so not only in equity of resources, but equity in outcomes for the babies and the parents or the mothers. So you do have some programs that will factor in lack of resources and it's sort of a sliding scale. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, there's absolute research, as you know, as a doctor, showing differences in races in the hospital. And boy, is that the same when you're talking about delivery. So, you know, having that support and having a doula with you to make sure you're being heard is something that most of us feel pretty strongly about and are willing to help you find those resources. 
Yeah, because sometimes there are people who are single parent or something happens and teen moms. I love yeah. working with teen moms. Teen moms, same sex marriage, you know. So you cover all of that, right? So you yeah. have programs for the LGBT population, indigenous population. That's good to know. If someone would like to locate a doula, how would you guide them in terms of finding a doula in their area? So there's a lot of different ways. You can ask your doctors if they know somebody. You can ask your midwives. My personal favorite is doulamatch.com that was started by a doula in Seattle. It's a lot of information. So you can find out what certifications we have. There's reviews on the site and we post our rates. So all the information's in one spot. You can search for birth or postpartum. You can search for LGBTQ friendly. You can search for abortion friendly. You can search for a lot of different information. So that's my favorite. Dona, who is a major certification organization. If you're a Dona doula, then you're able to show up on their searches. I don't like that one as much just because it's specified to Dona certification. And then if you just do a Google search and find doulas in my area, you tend to pull up quite a few. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. And I'm glad that you talked about this equity issues because I thought, well, who could pay for this, right? Only people who could afford to do that. Yeah, if you are a Google employee, they should provide some assistance like that. They provide money to freeze their eggs, you know, so they could be productive now when they needed them and they could postpone their pregnancy later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, and we, you know, if somebody gets in contact with me and they're looking for a trans doula, There are trans doulas and there's many of us that will support without judgment or anything like that. Or like you said, single parents, it's getting in contact and hopefully whoever you get in contact with is able to recognize that they're not who you're looking for and give you names of who you are looking for. So don't ever be afraid to contact other doulas, even knowing they don't fit. And most of us, even when we post our rates, are always willing to work with our rates if somebody needs it. Okay, that's good to know. Any few tidbits of information that we could share our audience, some tips for them on how to match with the doula? They're asking questions of their doula and there are things that leak from your body. There are things that your baby does that are embarrassing. And so I think it's important to feel a connection to whatever is important to you. Some people need a doula who's aggressive. I'm not that doula, but there are doulas that are like that. And so it's really interviewing them, you know, knowing that I can say I've been a doula for three years, but there's doulas for three years who have done one birth every three months. So they've done say 15 births in that three years. It doesn't make them any less than me, who I have the ability to be a full-time doula. So I've done a hundred births in that time. And that's the big thing is what's important to you? Is the experience important? But that means the chances of having my backup is higher than having a doula who only does one birth. My backup, I take pride in making sure that my backups have the same experience and the same values and the same way of doulaing as I do. But I am full-time. And I think it's important, whoever you're interviewing has integrity in insane. Some people don't want a vaccinated doula. Some people do want a vaccinated doula, you know? And so those are the questions. Anything that's important, do you plan to breastfeed? Are they okay if you get an epidural? Some doulas won't do hospital births. Some doulas won't do home births. Some doulas won't do a free birth where there's no medical personnel. So it's really knowing what your birth plan looks like and then finding somebody who can go through it with you and narrow it down and that you're being comfortable, both you and your partner, not just one. It's not just mom has to feel comfortable. Your partner has to feel comfortable with your doula too. 
but you guide them through this journey, right? I mean, it's not that your credentials doesn't fit theirs and there's no talking back and forth. So you go through that journey together and things evolve and change over time. So for me personally, is that the things are important to you. You know, that's what we focus on. But again, there's a doula for everybody out there. I am not the doula for everybody. I, I wish I was, but I'm totally comfortable not being. Interview more than one doula. Unless you have an immediate response to the person you interview, interview more so you can go, oh, yep, you know what? No, that one I talked to three times ago was the right person. This one doesn't fit. Because just like every doctor doesn't fit, every daycare doesn't fit, this is something that you need to get used to now. The other thing is we all give a whole bunch of advice. You get so much advice. You have to be comfortable saying, oh, that didn't work for me. I need more advice. I need more information. Can you count on us? Do you know that we're going to show up for you? That's what's important. Are we going to be what you need? So there should be really clarity of information and transparency and expectations as well, right? Is there a chance that midway going through with the doula and you find out that this is really not good for me, do they fire you or you fire your boss or how do you do it? I have had clients who have fired their other doula because what they wanted was handholding. They wanted somebody who would respond to them when they were worried and anxious and scared. And so they did. Did fire their other doula. They did lose money doing that because we do have non-refundable deposits because we block off. We can only take so many births a month. So we block your spot off and tell people no and turn them away. So unfortunately, we can't just refund money because now we don't have somebody birthing during that time. Mm -hmm. It is important that you feel comfortable with the decision you're making before you actually sign a contract, which most of us have a contract that you're signing and make that decision. That is nice. Any food for thoughts for our audience or any take-home pearls for them? I think everybody needs a doula. And again, that could be your mom or your sister, but you can never have too much support. And who you choose for your team matters. And so often we just take the person who's available or we'll hear that this doctor is popular. Just because a doctor is popular doesn't mean that they have the outcome that you want to have. And so it's important that you know your entire team is on the same page as you are. The hospital matters. We want to just go to the closest hospital and that hospital may have a 40% cesarean rate versus 16% if you were to drive 30 minutes. So all of those things are things that matter. And as a doula, I can't fix the hospital's policies. You know, if the hospital says that you can't eat when you walk in the doors, all I can do is your doula is tell you. So it's a whole bunch of pieces to the puzzle that I think are important for people. And that's where doulas come in is we're able to say, hey, when I work, you know, I have one hospital I work with. I require that my clients take an extra class because I know that it's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to be recommended for an induction. So it's knowing where you're at and what your choices are. Thank you so much. I will for sure advise my friends who are, you know, experiencing this tremendous moment in their times that they could actually hire a doula for another support structure because everyone is so busy yes. nowadays. It's so hard to rely on your sister or on your mother because everyone is so busy. So I think that will be a, a good, good option for them. Thank you so much for joining me in my podcast. I'm so excited to basically launch this recording soon. Thanks for finally, we finally met up. Thanks for that. <laughs>
It's been a while that we were trying to put this together. And finally, you're as busy as I am. I'm leaving town for two weeks on Tuesday. And I'm having to tell all my clients, like, I'm turning my phone into airplane mode because I try and take Christmas off. And instead, I had two clients postpartum hemorrhage and their babies lost a pound. And so that's the thing is, I can't just disappear on them. And so I've had to tell my clients, like, I'm turning off. I'm in airplane mode. I'm not answering because if I don't do that, I'm like you. Do you do outside your area? I mean, do you cover outside your area? You accept clients from a, a remote distance? And what is the distance that you're The last time you saw me, I actually did a birth in Fresno, but oh. the hospital didn't let me in. But I was there supporting. That was why I was there that last time, was supporting somebody who had lost her husband. I have somebody in Phoenix. But the hard part is I take four to five clients a month. And so I have to figure out how to support them while I'm out of town. And I can't just be out of town unless it's a scheduled cesarean. So yes, I will happily support clients, but the chances are it's probably going to cost them a little more if they really want me to be there. And I need a place to stay. So I limit it to that. But there are postpartum doulas that travel, like they move in with you and stay with you for three weeks. Oh, the traveling postpartum doulas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So now we have traveling nurses all over the place. I do support them. And that's why I started working with a team is this won't be sustainable forever if I'm not able to leave and go do things. You know, and mom and Chris, I need to be able to say, hey, I got to go if something happens. And that's hard for my family. I've always been the daughter that would drop and run. And now I can't. Now I'm on call. And I'm not just going, unless it's an emergency, I can't just leave my client because we build build that relationship, right? We spend six months building that trust and building that. So I, with my partner, we now both answer texts. We both do the Zoom calls so that they can feel comfortable with both of us. And that's, we're just starting it this month and working through it and growing so that hopefully by January, anybody that hires us is hiring a team. So we're growing. That's good. That's good because you have to prepare for, yeah, you may sprain your ankle or, you yeah, know. I'm covering right now who broke her ankle last oh, week. No. <laughs> three months, you know, of clients that she has to find. We just, yeah. don't, you never know. So but we love it. Right. And that's the group I'm with. We do it because we love it. And that's the fun thing is you have people to decrease because it's hard. It's hard when it, it's funny because the births that hit us the hardest don't tend to be the harder births. But just something didn't go, you know, we ended up in a cesarean after 48 hours of working so hard. And so our bodies are tired and our hearts are broken. And then we have somebody to decompress with because you can't tell your client, oh, my gosh, I had somebody have a forceps delivery. I think that's such a high anxiety situation, you know, a lot of hormonal changes. And sometimes you go into the hospital for a happy event, then you get out of the hospital with an unhappy event. I I was with one who chose to terminate at 22 weeks. Not all doulas will support that. That's a personal baby had spina bifida, severe spina bifida. And she hired me and then called me and said, I don't need you. And my response was, yes, you do. You just don't have to pay me now. And I don't charge for something like that. I don't charge for a loss. So everybody needs support. Yeah, when you're going through it. And like I said, the medical professionals get so used to just, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And so I swear 50% of what I do is, do you guys want 10 minutes to think about this? Or we don't even stop and say, do you understand what we just covered? You know, because we just like downloading all this information, expecting that they would have 100% retention. And then when they don't comply, they're non-adherent. 
you know, my husband's a nurse, so we get into debates all the time about why do you do this? And he's going, because we're keeping you safe. And I'm going, but there's more to it than keeping you safe. I think I take pride in making, not all doulas do. I take pride when the nurses tell my clients they chose well when I leave. You know, when the doctors ask for my card, I've done a good job. But that means walking a line between medical isn't always bad. There is this community that says birth is normal. Birth is natural. Do it at home. You shouldn't ever be in the hospital. And if you are, you shouldn't need all the interventions. My babies wouldn't have stayed in without interventions. Yeah, those unexpected moments, right? And if you're there to support them, that is wonderful. COVID was hard where I was trying to decide, am I going to get in their face? Because I do, I pull my mask off and I'm in their face. It meant I had to quarantine when one of my clients came back with COVID right after, during her birth. Yeah, yeah. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. And uh, I'm so excited to launch this. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with family and friends. Rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Acast, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you on our next episode.